0: You know, I hate that we have to wait until Monday to get on here and talk to the fine people of South Georgia because so much has happened this weekend, and it just feels like it's already been a week since it all happened. Obviously, Braves now 2-0 and in the NLCS, uh, and just the Dodgers talking so much smack. Came. I was telling you before the show, let them speak. We will remain silent, we'll remain vigilant, and we'll just continue supporting the Braves and just l- Listen. Austin Riley doing big things. But we also had so much happen in the world of college football. Georgia takes down Kentucky. Uh, I love what I saw at the end from Stoops and just how mad that defensive line was. I I mean, uh, Stoops had to have Kentucky in the points, right? So we have so much to dive into. But the news of the weekend, Ed Orgeron is out as the head coach at LSU at the end of the year. He will continue uh, until the end of the season. And joining us from 104.5 ESPN in Baton Rouge, Matt Moscona, host of After Further Review. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time. And I'm sure it was a really crazy time for you guys right now.
1: Yeah, it's never boring here, that's for sure. It was my <laughs> pleasure. Thanks for being back,
0: guys. And the news, I mean, just following some of your stuff, not overly surprising uh, that uh, that LSU decides to move on from Ed Orgeron. And you had spoken uh, last week about the fact that you kind of saw this coming in terms of he's going to finish out the year with the team. What do you think went into that thought process? Because I know a lot of people think it's kind of like breaking up with somebody and still living in the same house.
1: Yeah, it is kind of odd. Um So there is precedent for it. Um, LSU's athletic director, Scott Woodward, when he was at the University of Washington, did the same thing when he had Tyrone Willingham there as his coach in 2008. Uh, After the seventh game, they, um, they announced that Willingham would not return but would finish the season. So there's a couple of reasons why you might do it that way. The most obvious is that LSU just doesn't have a really good option for an interim head coach which, which is a big right. reason why this is going like it has um it, back in 2016 when les miles was fired you had that ozron who had been an interim coach had been a head coach sure. so that makes sense the other thing is it, it's lsu's administration uh, cover now to go begin a coaching search in earnest and not wait until you know thanksgiving when when the regular season ends you don't have the speculation from now until the end of the year about will he be fired or won't he, where the narrative be, had become more about that than it had about the games. So it does answer a lot of questions um, and change the narrative a bit uh, for the remainder of the season.
0: And still five games on the schedule and some massive games coming up uh, on that schedule. But when you look at the program itself, this is a reset. And, and But the lifeblood of any college football team is, is recruiting, how bad do you think this affects it? Or do you think with him staying on and some of those guys on staff, maybe trying to keep their jobs, how do you think this affects their recruiting?
1: Sure. I, I think that's a, that's one of the key points also why you make the announcement now, um, because it allows LSU to be transparent with recruits where you can say, it, I mean, you can paint the picture hypothetically where let's say LSU and Georgia, were going head to head for, for a recruit. Well, Kirby or his staff could say, "Why would you go there? You don't know if if your coach is going to right. be there." Uh, now you don't have that. There, there's transparency there with recruits, where LSU's administrators can say to recruits, "Here's who we're looking at. This is the process we're following. We'll have a coach in place. This is what we're thinking." Um, it's not. It's obviously not an ideal situation, especially with the December signing period. This used to be a less of a right. big deal whenever it was in february but now with the december signing period it's it's sort of um, rushed that process which is a big part of the reason also why you do it now it might help you keep this recruiting class together
0: how will lsu fans remember ed orgeron in his tenure because a lot of people have compared it to what happened with gene Chiswick at auburn i mean obviously there's a lot of parallels you have a transitional or a, just a transformational quarterback talent transfer into your program you go undefeated and win a national championship and then a couple years later you're out of a job but I mean 15 and 0 and maybe the best team ever I feel like you give it a couple years fans are going to look back fondly on Ed Orgeron
1: yeah the the comparisons are are fair with with Chizik and how that played out Um, the circumstances might not be complete apples to apples but I do think mostly lsu fans are just going to revere 2019 okay um you're already starting to hear a lot of that that chatter around baton rouge where this you know ed's firing felt like an inevitability um even last year you know coming into this season it it just felt like with a new athletic director you know who didn't hire him a lot of off the field stuff going on um that one misstep, and certainly a lackluster season, he'd be out. So they, I think fans have been preparing themselves for this. But guys, to to witness 2019 was just yeah. something that few fans ever actually get to experience. Not just a, a championship, but something of, of that caliber, which, you know, is, is in the conversation on the shortlist for the greatest team and greatest season in the history of the sport. So certainly made it that's if you trade the other all the muck for that one shiny yeah. toy man i think ellish fans would take it 100 times out of 100
0: now i'm sure there's millions of words being written about this uh, as we speak and have probably already been published but the best you can if you could just summarize why you felt like it was a given edward Orgeron would probably be fired this season
1: oh i need a lot of words for that <laughs> um well, I mean, you can start with the fact, obviously, that he was working for an athletic director that didn't hire him. Yeah. So every AD wants to look at football coaching. Hire is a legacy hire for an athletic director. And Scott Woodward is an LSU alum and you know, came back here ultimately to, to, to do this. Um, it, the other part of it is just that there have been so many things away from the field that have magnified the pressure of the result on the field. LSU is in the middle of a Title IX investigation. Ed Ogeron is a defendant in two Title IX lawsuits. Um, There have been too many instances of public relations disasters. Ed Ogeron taking pictures in bed with women and stories now leaking of him having girlfriends at practice with their kids and... um, you know, when some might think he would be working, he's at a casino pool with the woman in a bikini running shirtless on the beach. I mean, guys, there's, there's so many of these that I'm not here to judge anybody. You know, it's a single man who can live his life the way he wants. But I think you also have to remember that when you're the head coach at LSU, you're the highest paid employee in the state. You are the face of not only the football program, but the university. And there's an expectation. You carry yourself a certain way. And, he didn't do that. There was too too much of that. And when you have that, the Title IX um, lawsuits, last summer in our country with the George Floyd protest, there was a lot of racial unrest, and Ed lost his locker room amid all of that. Um, and it's hard to come back from that once you, once you, you know, walk down that road and broken that trust. All of those things on top of the issues they've had on the field. We haven't even talked about the right. failed coordinator hire, how much money that's cost LSU. I mean, the, the, the evidence was, was massive and he needed a, a contending season and he just didn't get it.
0: Yeah. And now four and three does, it was interesting timing. Cause you get a massive win uh, over Florida and a, What 11 o'clock your time game, I know a noon game for us on the East Coast, but just an awesome game back and forth, Uh, and then you get the news shortly thereafter uh, that he's not coming back. But now the question turns to who's going to be the next guy. I know there's already all kinds of betting odds out. Uh, Lane Kiffin is the number one on all of the betting lists that I've seen so far. Obviously, Jimbo Fisher is always going to be a name that's mentioned. Is it absolutely going to be a head coach? Or do you see LSU maybe dipping into the coordinator? Because, in my opinion, this is one of the jobs in the country where you can kind of do like the Mr. Steal Your Coach, where it doesn't matter where they're coaching, this is LSU. We are a premier job, and we can go plug people from anywhere.
1: Yeah, I know that's how LSU views it, certainly. Um, you know, LSU has um, has a lot of built-in advantages. It is the, it's the only Power Five in a talent rich state which puts more guys in the nfl per capita than any state in the country um you have resources from facilities and um salaries and any type of financial resources you need um and lsu is aside from alabama the only school uh that's won three national titles since 2003. i mean lsu's last three coaches have all played four and one national titles. Right. so there's a ton to sell um Also keep in mind, LSU's athletic director, Scott Woodward, he is a big game hunter, man. When he was at Washington, he got Chris Peterson away from Boise. When he was at A&M, he hired Jimbo Fisher. Uh, Since he's been at LSU, he hired Kim Mulkey, three-time national championship winning coach, away from Baylor to come coach LSU. Mm -hmm. Scott is smart and tactful and generally gets what he wants. And um, I'll be interested to see what direction this turns, and I will – I will say, you know, LSU has a new university president as well, who just got in place in May. Uh, William Tate is his name and uh, came from South Carolina, incidentally. Um, And President Tate is the first black president in the history of LSU. And it is something that is being certainly talked about in circles, that he has a strong desire for this to be a legacy hire to the first minority head football coach at LSU. and. I think there was a very real uh, and, and not to say that that would ever be the only criteria sure. by which you make a, a hire, but I think there was a very real interest in, in making that happen, which you know, you're going to see uh, James Franklin, Mel Tucker names prominently mentioned in this search. Now, it's mentioning a name and, and getting across the finish line and signing a contract or, or, or almost yeah. lifetimes <laughs> apart it seems sometimes, but. But those are considerations um, with with this job. But to the question, will it be a coordinator? Most certainly, it will not. It, it will be someone with head coaching experience.
0: What about for Matt Muscona though? Like, what? Who's on your wish list?
1: So I gotta have to say, like, what's realistic, right? I mean, yeah. Nick Saban, not rude. Nick Saban, would yeah, be that's my number wish one on
0: everybody's game. wish list. Yeah,
1: right. Um, you know, a name like Urban Meyer would fit the bill. But remember, LSU has. A, um, yeah, has the, the middle of title nine lawsuit. I yeah. get the sense that this is going to be a squeaky clean hire, which would take guys like Q Freeze and Urban Meyer, and essentially, you know, scratch them off the list. Um, you know, for me, I think an offensive-minded coach with a proven track record as a head coach would be incredible, especially with someone who knew how to win in the SEC. So, for me, I'd give you two names. I would tell you Lane Kiffin or James Franklin. I mean, either one yeah. of those guys. I mean. I'd almost walk to the airport to, to, to pick up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, I think either one of those guys would, would just, with the resources they would have here would just crush it here.
0: All right. And, qu- and quickly here, cause I know you got a role. Uh, we're obviously home of Georgia, uh, in Savannah, and I just got to get the outside opinion because we sit on here and talk every day, and they kind of have to pump me up because I'm always the pessimistic waiting for the other shoe to drop. But from the outside looking in, h- how good is this Georgia team? Because I know the running joke ha- had been since Kirby Smart got there, yeah, you're really good in the East, and then you would go on a road game in the West and just get absolutely smacked. You think about uh, 2019 uh, against LSU and the SEC Championship and then 2018 at LSU where Georgia just got smacked in back-to-back games. But from the outside looking in, how good is this Georgia team?
1: Uh, I can understand that that feeling actually, because you got about forty years to validate it. Yeah. Um, but I, I Georgia is the best team in the country by by a long, long shot. You know, I'm I'm curious how the narrative around Georgia might be different had Bama not rallied with Tua in seventeen. Um, you know, if Kirby had gotten him one and had beaten Nick, the whole assistant coach not to beat Sabin narrative would be would have been over. And that, a, anyway this georgia team in particular especially to be doing it without jt daniels and all the other guys that are injured i mean you guys know better than me but i would assume at some point that that encyclopedia yeah it's nuts. list of, of injured players like some of those guys are going to be coming back i know the, the defensive back the all-american from uh Tyke yeah smith, smith yeah um, I mean, I just look at George and I go, they're only going to get better because they're going to get healthier. And, man, if if someone stands in front of that freight train and stops it, I'll be surprised, especially in a year where it doesn't seem like there's a real contender.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, Georgia has, has been the one consistent we can rely on week in and week out. Uh, got a bye week with Florida coming up. Matt Moscona, 104.5 ESPN in Baton Rouge. Uh, after further review, you can listen to him from 3 to 6 Central Time, uh, and you can follow him on Twitter at Matt, M-O-S-C-O-N-A. Matt, we really appreciate the time, man. Look forward uh, to watching LSU and what develops with them, and hopefully talk to you again soon.
1: My pleasure. Thanks, guys.
0: Again, just a interesting situation there at LSU. Ed Orgeron is done, but we'll continue to coach for the rest of the season. we got to take a quick break. We'll come back, and we will dive into what was a wild weekend in the NLCS as the Braves take a 2-0 series lead. Is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside Cam Ershery here on a Monday afternoon. So much to recap. Uh, we'll dive into college football coming up here in a little bit, but we've got to talk about the NLCS, Cam, and you know – Every now and then I like to put on my reading glasses. (laughs) I'll put on my fake reading glasses right here uh, because I'm not quite like Kevin where I need the real reading glasses yet. But I'll put on my fake reading glasses, and I want to go to a, uh, you know, a very well-respected, very credible institution, the Los Angeles Times. (laughs) And this is by one Dylan Hernandez speaking. Uh, This is prior to Game 1 of the NLCS. I just wanted to read some quotes from this column he put out a couple days ago, and again, you can find it on latimes.com. Quote, if there's a letdown in this NLCS, it will be on the part of the viewers who were served their main courses before the appetizers, referring to the Giants-Dodgers series before the Braves-Dodgers series. Served their main courses before their appetizers. Quote, just try getting excited about a matchup against the 88-win Braves after a down-to-the-wire showdown against the 107-win San Francisco Giants. Uh, There's more. There's more, Cam. Okay. There's more. Following Game 1s and 2 on Saturday and Sunday, and again, this came out prior to Game 1, so we have the benefit of hindsight that Dylan did not. Following games 1 and 2 on Saturday and Sunday, the series will move for the next three games to Los Angeles where the series should end. Unlike the Giants, the Braves don't have the balance to stay with the Dodgers. They aren't the same Braves who had a three games to one lead over the Dodgers in the NLCS last year. Their best player, Ronald Acuna Jr., went down with a season inning knee injury in July. Their number three hitter, Marcel Zuna, broke his finger in May and never returned as he was placed on administrative leave after he was arrested for allegations of assaulting his wife.
2: You know, a lot of shots being thrown. So, man. No, no, so many. Lot.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of shots being thrown. So many. About the only advantage the Braves have is better rested after eliminating the Brewers in four games. I just, this entire article is about uh, the Dodgers are just better, and they won't choke. They won't beat themselves. They will show up, they will fight. The Dodgers have now advanced to the NLCS five times in the last six years. In another week or so, they will be able to say they have reached the World Series in four out of the past five years. Again, this is latimes.com, Dylan Hernandez a couple days ago. Dylan, big dog, my guy, my friend, my homie, my coast-to-coast brethren. You got some splaining to do because the Dodgers, even if they win the next three games in Los Angeles – this series is still coming back to truest.
2: Man, I mean, that's the thing, man. Yeah, that's a and lot of Charlie, trash being taught.
0: Charlie Morton hasn't even thrown yet, my guy. Ian Anderson got pulled early last night after three and a third innings, and you still lost. Will Smith is 2 0 in this series. Our closer has two wins. Freddie Freeman is 0 for 8 with seven strikeouts. The former MVP, the defending MVP, is 0 for 8 in two games with seven strikeouts. And you haven't been able to win a game yet.
2: Man, What's I good? Mean, if you're going to talk trash, you know, you got to back it up. That's the ultimate thing about trash talking. And, you know, I am the uh, office's bad luck. Yeah, can't like to, Cam say. likes
0: to talk crap. Like, And I am not talking crap whatsoever. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not. I'm he's, just talking he's about overly, the past two games.
2: He, he, he's excited, as he should be, because, I mean, this is an 88- He's right. 88-win Braves team. You're no, right. Everything he says is what's right wrong. itself. Here's
0: what's wrong with what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He, it, The way he's looking at it is this is an 88-win team. We're a 106-win team. We should blow them out of the water. It, it what you're not looking at, and he had it all there, mm-hmm. right? He had it all in the article. You lost Ronald Acuna. He didn't put Soroka in there, but you lost Mike Soroka. You lost Marcelo Zuna for this season, right? Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. You lost Marcelo Zuna for the season, mm-hmm. right? You have lost so much. Travis Darnot, your starting catcher, did not play for a Majority, the majority of the, season. Of the yeah. season right so when he says this is an 88 team and they lost all these guys
2: that's a that's a compliment i'm saying i'm saying <laughs> yeah
0: this is an 88 compliment. win team and they lost all those guys
2: exactly so if you have all those guys in tag who are all pretty much all stars at their peak um basically that's like a hundred win team they're about equal to the dodgers but i will say this i think a lot of viewers a lot of people that it, us as the media, journalists, whatever, we get caught I'm up not, in the I'm fact. I'm not a journalist, but well, carry I mean, on. You, know, you know, in general. But I think they forget these guys that are playing, they're still pros. They're not just some scrubs. They're the best in the world. So they're going to compete. And the Braves are obviously there with the competition if they're able to beat a 100-win team. Brewers, if they're able to beat them, obviously they're sticking with the Dodgers. They're up 2-0. So show some respect because yeah. they're there for a reason. We've seen it in sports. 9-7 Giants take down, 16-0 New England Patriots. It happens. So, uh, I mean, I think that was just a listen. I, I, that's listen, a bad take from him.
0: Listen, talk your bleep, talk <laughs> your bleep. Bill yeah. Plaschke was all over Twitter, uh, into game one, talking his bleep, and then we didn't really hear from him. He's just been posting links since, but it, it's it's a two it's elite. But here's why it's different to me, Cam is. 2-0 lead last year and you'd thrown your two best guys and now you're now you're going in and you got a 3-1 lead and that they were just better, yeah. they have better pitch, and they still have better pitchers. But you have a 2-0 series lead, and I think game three is a really big opportunity for the Braves. Listen, they're throwing Walker Bueller, who is nasty. One of the like most underrated pitchers in baseball, and to me, one of the top five at least in the NL. Walker Bueller's mm-hmm. nasty, but you got Charlie Morton as the Atlanta Brave for this moment. You don't care about Charlie Morton in June, July, August. August you care about Charlie Morton right now this is why you go get him because he can go out into Dodger Stadium he has played in so many playoff games he can go out into Dodger Stadium and he can do his thing you have this set up perfectly to go steal
2: one and break serve in LA this might be the most important series in the past 20 years for the Braves I, I think it very clearly is yeah I think it's the most I mean I know last year they were up 3-1 but two in my opinion you tell me if I'm wrong. 2 0 feels better than 3 1. And the only reason why I'm saying that when you go up 2 0, I'll tell you why. When you go up 2 that, 0, that's showing you, the team hasn't even beat you yet. But you're going 2 0 and you're going back to LA and they have to win three games in I did it go last year. That. Was it
0: 2 0, 2 1, 3 1?
2: I want to say it was. Ooh. Let's.
0: Yeah, look, okay. look. But I mean, let's just. Look that up. LA yeah. is really filling the themselves. And there, if there's one argument I hate, especially after a two game sample size, is. You didn't beat me. It did. Go, it started off 2-0, yeah. Then it go 2-1 and then 3-1? 2-1, 3-1, yeah. yeah. so you lost game three and then stole game yeah. four. Yeah. So, But I think, I think if you go up 3-0, that's a whole different precedent. Like, that. that is oh, – you, you have to sweep us. I'm not going to say it. You have yeah. to sweep us yeah. to move on. And that's I, tough. I, I think that sets it up well. Yeah. And I think it's looking like if the way the series sets out is you'll have a rested Max Scherzer for the Dodgers in game six, and they'll be able to throw Bueller again in game seven – Go steal
2: this game tomorrow, and it's what you attested to earlier. They haven't even put out like their best. But play- Freddie Freeman hasn't been on point. They haven't used Charlie Morton yet. They still have guys they could throw out there. Ian Anderson had a short night last night. You're going to see him later on in the series if it gets to there. So I mean, it's still something looking forward for the Braves. Um, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say too much. I'm not going to say too much. But Same I, check, I, I was, I was shocked. I was very shocked. One one. It expected, but 2-0, yeah. I was really shocked because, I mean, as we all know, the Dodgers defend the champs, but they're a really good baseball team, and I, I said this a few weeks ago, that front office for the Braves
0: Oh, Alex Anthobos has it done, is, done an amazing Lord. job, and yeah. again, you're, you, are, you are TJ Maxx against the gucci store right now i mean i mean it's, yeah. it's, <laughs> no, it's no you're right it's you you have you go in and you get the the, the reject items that mm-hmm. they had to send to tj maxx versus the Sachs fifth avenue of baseball yeah. at least that's what they think they are right that's true. they have that huge massive budget uh magic johnson's on that board out there yeah. they just spending billions of dollars and you have the atlanta braves liberty media and they're pretty tight with the checkbook uh, i think it's the best way to put it but i mean but what you said is so true is at the all star break, the guys that you go get, the guy who had the game winning hit, mm-hmm. Eddie Rosario, right? You go get him from Cleveland in exchange for who? Who? Pablo oh, Sandoval. Yeah, Pablo you Sandoval. traded, yeah. and I love Pablo Sandoval. He <laughs> is the reason he's one of the reasons the Braves were here with his clutch hitting the first couple of weeks of the season. But at the point when you traded him, you traded a mascot mm-hmm. for an injured player that yeah. you were banking on coming back, getting healthy, and able to get in. I mean, Eddie Rosario, when he was playing uh, with Cleveland, he was batting .254,
2: had seven home runs and 46 RBIs. That's pretty dang good. Man, it's just the front office knowing what they're doing. That I, I, I love it. That's why I said I love it for Atlanta. It seems like I, things are I, coming and listen, together. Dylan Hernandez, my guy,
0: talk your bleep. Talk it. I'm here for it. This oh is what God. makes sports great. One. This is what makes sports great. If they let me <laughs> write on a blue checked mark, nationally syndicated newspaper, I'd be saying these same stuff. I would be just as reckless. But just know, you're down 2-0 right now, and I'm looking at you, Jock Peterson. He was a Braves killer last year. He's a Dodgers killer right now. You are down 2-0, and we're putting Uncle Charlie on the mound tomorrow night. And this dude has lived in the playoffs. This is why a- we went and got him. Listen, Dodgers, listen. Hey, I'm just going to say, I'm going to pull my inner Sean Quinn here. Dodgers, way better team. They got way better players. They're probably going to beat the hell out of us. Y- yeah, yep, y'all are probably just going to absolutely do it to us. It's- Freddie Freeman can't hit a baseball right now. I mean, Austin Riley, the luck's going to have to run out some at some point, right? Nah. They're, they're not they're not going to be able to keep this going. You do- The Dodgers got this, Dylan. You guys got this. Down 0-2, you're just setting
2: it up so you guys can rip off four in a row and win in six. Uh, you, you got it dylan you know you want to know something it's what i said last week when you playing with house money you have nothing to lose i guarantee you the Braves are up to over they still feel like the underdogs like everybody's going through the whole way yeah they're, yeah. they're going to feel like underdogs and it's easy if you you're going out there you're not performing with any pressure on you all the pressure's on the dodgers right now Braves are not even supposed to be in this position so you can go out there and play baseball loose swings just go for it all man and that that's the reason why i feel like they're winning yes they're they have a good team around and everything like that, but when you're playing with house money, it's hard to be the team like that.
0: All I know is when the pressure has been on, one team has shown up and the other team gets thrown out with base running errors. One team puts in, one team gets a big hit, the other team gives up a big hit with their supposedly best closer. So there's a whole lot of things going on in the series. We got a lot more games. Braves have to win at least two or Braves have to win two more. So it's there's a whole lot going on and hey, Dodgers, you guys I'm got serious. this. You guys uh yeah, you guys keep just keep talking bleep. The Braves are just going to be over here playing baseball. we got more to come. We'll recap some of the big news from college football when we come back. Talk about. This is one of those days, Cam, where I wish we had another hour because college football this weekend was absolutely insane. Uh, obviously, the Georgia game, Georgia just thumps, bludgeons, whatever you want to call it, uh, Kentucky. We'll talk about the end of that game. Uh, Spencer Rattler's done at Oklahoma because Caleb Williams is that guy. Texas blows another lead. Oklahoma State all of a sudden looks real. We haven't even talked about the fact that the – were they fake probably, but the number two team in the country lost, got smoked by the Boilermakers. So much happened in college football this weekend. I mean, how about in the SEC? That Florida LSU game was insanity. Auburn smacked Arkansas on the road. With some really just terrible clock management by Sam Pittman. Uh, there's so much to get into. Uh, let's start with Iowa because we can just let, let, let's just let, let's just get it out of the way. We saw this coming. I'm not saying you you said Purdue, but we all knew Iowa was going to lose at some point. And, and I think the Big Ten's dream was you get Iowa to the conference championship game, you get Ohio State to the conference championship game with one loss. Ohio State beats Iowa, and all of a sudden you have two one loss teams there. And you're like, could we potentially get two in? That ain't happening now uh, I think Ohio State it comes I think it's gonna come down to Ohio State Penn State that game right there for who the conference champs gonna be because if Penn State wins Iowa's not beating them again especially if they have a healthy quarterback so Iowa you were fake you got exposed Purdue thank you for doing a service year in and year out they have a they have a record and I, I don't want to get it wrong but I think it's around nine they have around nine wins uh, in their program's history as an unranked team against the number one or number two team in the country so Purdue's just out here ruining dreams. And I really appreciate it. I texted you, I said, the home of Drew Brees and Neil Armstrong. Just two American heroes out there. One of them slinging the rock around, one of them flying to a rock. So it's just, uh, Purdue just doing a public service, getting rid of Iowa so we don't have to talk about them anymore. I think what's funny about this weekend, Cam, is it kind of reset the scene and all of a sudden you're like, because all year it's been like, oh, is this the year year where this team gets in? Is this the year where this team gets in? Is this the year where this team gets in? You're really looking at Maybe the craziest thing that could happen is Cincinnati could get into the college football playoff. But I mean, it could be, it's going to be right now, if you did it, it'd be probably Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma. And I think the argument's going to come down to, and, and this is where Cincinnati gets nervous, is, and I think Cincinnati is now a Georgia fan or an Auburn fan or whoever else is on Alabama's schedule, is you have to hope and pray that Alabama drops another one because if Alabama gets to the SEC championship and beats Georgia, then all of a sudden it's you against Georgia for that spot.
2: That one-loss Georgia team, they're getting in. They're most definitely getting in. You think? If you think? They sh- I mean, I'll, I'll put it like this, just long story short. If we're talking about not right now, we're talking about at the moments they've beaten teams, Clemson, Arkansas, um, Kentucky, Auburn. That's four ranked wins.
0: Uh, Georgia has four top 20 wins right now. Yeah,
2: and then two of them are in the top 10. I think they might have more than that. I think Kentucky might have added to it. What was Kentucky, 11? Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, it's hard to keep that Georgia team away. Oh, they lost a game, but they beat Clemson, beat the heck out of Kentucky, beat the heck out of Auburn and Arkansas, who are all really f- formidable teams. You put them in any other conference, they're number one or two in each conference outside of maybe Auburn. Yeah, I, I mean, think Arkansas.
0: I think Arkansas has kind of been exposed. They beat, sorry, they beat Texas A and M, and I think we maybe overvalued that win a little bit much. Yeah. And, and Texas, the same way, Texas switched quarterbacks after that. So Arkansas, we may be overvalued. But it's not hitting. that it's not that you beat them. It's what you did to them. Yeah, thirty-seven to nothing. And yeah. Georgia's been incredible. Uh, I still like because we got to do our Southern Payton Power Poll. If you play it right now, I don't know who I'm picking between Georgia and Alabama. You play that on a neutral site in Atlanta. I don't know who I'm picking because my one one reservation, I know you're getting to the point where you just kind of sound like you're being skeptical to be skeptical, I guess is the best way mm-hmm. to put it. My only drawback with Georgia right now is they haven't had to throw the football yet. You, you, haven't, yeah. you haven't been in a game where you're down or you're tied and you have to push the ball down the field. They've had they have been able to and teams have loaded the box and uh, forced them into throwing the ball during mm-hmm. but you're up. Yeah. Right, it's not a tight game mm-hmm. when you're doing that. And the scary thing I think for the country is coming into the season, the one flaw you saw with this team was run blocking and running the football. Now they're really good at that.
2: Yeah, they're really like, good. Like
0: Samir White looks really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Cook looks really good. Kendall Milton finally busted one this past week. Mm-hmm. So that running game looks really good. But you haven't had to push the ball down the field in like in close situations, right? Even in the Clemson game, you really didn't have to throw that last mm-hmm. drive where you sealed it out. Just you ran, just, the, you ball. ran the ball over them. Right, so you haven't been in a position like last year against Alabama or last year against Florida, where you have to throw the football.
2: I, and I one hundred percent agree with you. I think with Alabama, Georgia's been manhandling people all year. I don't think you, I don't think you just manhandle Alabama all four quarters. It's it's a, it's respect. And Alabama's going to be obviously awake for that game. Yeah. they're not sleeping for that. And I think you, in order to be Alabama, they're going to put up points. I mean, even in the Texas A&M loss. Thirty eight points, Bryce Young almost had four hundred yards. Yeah. You gotta sling that rock, and that's the one thing I'm nervous about if they can, you know, fix that up, get some of those guys back and get that chemistry together before that game comes. But I I'm very nervous about that. I don't know who to choose. I might lean and it's crazy to say this, a little bit towards Alabama because they have Bryce Young and he's electric and I usually go if like if, like if things, things seem
0: relatively even, which Georgia's defense is far and away better than Alabama's right now. Oh, yeah. But Alabama still still has an elite defense, and they showed out against Mississippi State. But usually when things are even, I'd go with a better quarterback. And right mm-hmm. now, Bryce Young is a better quarterback. That being said, and I did want to talk about this. You know me, I've said for a long time, this Georgia team can beat 128 FBS teams, with Stetson Bennett as their starting quarterback. There's one (laughs) team out there where I'm not sure that's the case, and it's Alabama. But Stetson Bennett on Saturday made some throws that I have not seen him make yet, and he also, I guess still technically made a throw that we haven't seen him make before either, and Kirby Smart pointed this out. Stetson Bennett threw the football away on third down, Mm -hmm. and his biggest problem last year was trying to make too many plays where it's third and ten, you could feel the momentum in the game i got to make a play it's third down i boot there's nobody really there but maybe i'm just going to try to fit in a pick
2: we saw that against bama right yeah. it's
0: just you you instead of i have these monsters from doom mm-hmm. playing defense for me let's just the best offense sometimes is i got jay kamada who is an all-everything punter mm-hmm. i'm going to let him punt flip the field, and then I'm just going to put these mutants on defense out there and let them eat the other offensive live, and I may I might gain yards out of it because mm-hmm. they'll have to punt, and we'll return it, and hey, I just made 20 yards, right? It's just the, the maturity from Stetson, but also, and Ben has a YouTube breakdown of a couple of these on ESPN Coastal's YouTube page right now. Stetson Bennett made some throws mm-hmm. on Saturday that we have not seen him make, and I know a lot of people point to that first half against UAB where he looked really good those were wide-open throws. Yeah, they're wide-open. And the, the, the pass blocking was there. Those were wide-open throws. He fit some balls into some coverage on Saturday
2: that like were... the touchdown on the right side, on the money.
0: Well, the touchdown to Brock Bowers, he yeah. was he was fairly open, but just the, the ability to read the defense and have the ball out before Bowers mm-hmm. comes out of his break was awesome. Uh, and Brock Bowers is a freak. He, as a freshman, might be the best tight end in college football, but that's another segment. Uh, it, the... John Fitzpatrick, I think it was in the third or fourth quarter, John Fitzpatrick on the wheel route up the sideline, Mm -hmm. he had a linebacker kind of trailing him. Stetson Bennett fit a ball 20 yards downfield up over the linebacker, but short enough that the safety couldn't come over the top and blast him or pick it off. Mm -hmm. That's an NFL throw. And BJ has mentioned this for a long time. The only reason Stetson Bennett wasn't more highly recruited because he was doing ungodly things to high school defenses when he was at Pierce County. Mm-hmm. Like, freaky things to people down in Blackshear and that Sean Pinder offense there. He, the only reason he wasn't more highly recruited is because he is 5'10", 5'11". Yep. And I'm not comparing him to these guys as players because they're some of the best in the NFL. But, I mean, so's Kyler Murray and so is Russell Wilson.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, point of all this is, My thought going into this game, and it's still maybe my thought is, you can beat 129 teams with Stetson Bennett, or 128 teams with Stetson Bennett as your starting quarterback. The maybe for me right now is Alabama. And the only reason is, we haven't seen Stetson Bennett have to throw the football and win doing it. Yeah. Right? We haven't seen it. And for as much as you want to say Georgia played crap defenses last year when JT Daniels was in, and for the most part, JT Daniels has played some pretty mediocre defenses outside of the Clemson game, and he didn't have to do much in that game. Go watch that last drive. Against Cincinnati to get you in a field goal range, yeah. and it's just—I know a lot of it was to running backs, but just hurry up, having to throw the football. You have to throw the football in that situation, and he did it. And that's against a really good defensive unit, one that we're seeing. I think now is—are they, are they number two in the country in the AP poll? Cincinnati, number two in the AP poll. Number two. It's a good team, really that's, good team. If Georgia was to fall, JT Daniels would was be able one. to do that. So the question okay. now, going into this bye week, is was it? Stetson get us to the bye week and we're going to turn mm-hmm. this thing back over to JT Daniels or is the reality now JT listen I know you never want to lose a job to injury but Stetson's playing out of his mind right now has a better quarterback rating than Mac Jones had last year and that's another BJ Bennett stat it's, it's going to be a fascinating question but just texting with some Georgia sources over the weekend again this is all speculation because obviously Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin are the ones who get the ultimate decision in that. This is still J T Daniels' team.
2: And I, I I agree with that. I I will say that because tell me, like what you've been saying to the audience, if we have to drop back and throw the ball forty times in the game, who are you picking to throw that? J T. It's Stetson? a lot. It's a lot
0: closer in my mind than it was before because Stetson Bennett. Okay. Give him credit. Last year against Kentucky, he had a nah, terrible he wasn't game. Good. Yeah, he wasn't good. He shredded Kentucky on Saturday.
2: And that's a better Kentucky team this year than last year. Right. Um, man, I'm just thinking, like, you know, JT. Uh, it, it, we will have to see, but drop it back 40 times. And it yeah. is
0: a different kind of offense with uh, Stetson in there because he makes you account for him in the run game. Yeah, I mean, he has he has some freaky stats. I think he's the only quarterback with around a 90 passing grade mm-hmm. and an over an 80 run grade outside of Matt Corral.
2: Who's going to be the first overall pick this Probably. year? Probably. Yeah, so it's just – it's
0: it's freaky what Seth Bennett has been able to do. His growth is awesome. And I right now, again, I'm not going into – and before I was like this. If, when Georgia goes into the SEC championship and they're playing Alabama, if number 13 rolls out there as a starting quarterback, yeah. I'm not like, well, that was it. That's a wrap. I feel like Seth Bennett has the confidence and he's grown up enough in this offseason, which give him credit. and We gave all this credit yeah, to no, JT Daniels for this. Yeah. No, but we gave JT Daniels all the credit for this. He had a full offseason to work with Todd Munkin. He had spring. Mm-hmm. He had the summer workouts. He had a full offseason, which he didn't have the year before, because Todd Munkin came in. Then you got COVID shut everything down. Stetson Bennett, just like JT Daniels, had that full offseason to work with Todd Munkin. And he looks really good right now. And this offense is doing the right thing. They're playing, they're playing possession. They have some explosive plays in there as well. And they're not turning the football over, which I think is one of the more underrated stories about what this offense has been able to do. We got more to come. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with more ESPN radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Two different locations in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. Quick look at the ALCS. Game three coming up tonight. 808 first pitch. Astros at Red Sox. That series is tied one to one. Kike Hernandez, speaking of former Dodgers, has been absolutely filthy for Boston. So that game coming up at 808, but for your Atlanta Braves you get the night off tonight. Tomorrow believe I just want to I want to get the the time correct here, Cam, as I have to click through 17 links. Yep, 508. 508 first pitch. Uh, so you have games coming up tomorrow wednesday and thursday 808 our uh, first pitch for wednesday and thursday but tomorrow 508 so that means you'll have an abbreviated three and out coming up tomorrow uh, i believe the pregame will start around 3:30 but you'll have us and normally a lot of time not talking our bleep
2: the cool guys
0: you know just relax just thinking about how charlie morton's going to go out there and do his thing it's going to be fine
2: yeah, the cool guys. You, you get gotta, to come watch us talk for that's a little right. bit.
0: So we got our, we'll be on our normal time tomorrow, and they will have about 30 minutes to three and out. They'll just have to cram everything in really fast. hmm Maybe just, like, record the whole show and play it at, like, times six speed. No, nah, that's going to give me minutes. and
2: everybody else a headache. Yeah, you'll be fine. Hey, go uh, Red Sox, though. We don't cheer for uh, cheaters. Cough, that's true. Cough.
0: Yeah, banging the trash cans. I, I, I don't want to get too far out in front of it, and maybe I'm jinxing it here. But how cool would a Braves-Red Sox? Yeah, uh, you did it. See? World Series. You did, it. You did, it. You I did said, it. I just asked how cool nah, it would
2: be. Ah, you did it. Let's see? just rank it. Let's Don't just rank it. it. What
0: would be the coolest matchup? Dodgers-Red Sox. Not answering.
2: Astros. Not answering. Astros-Braves. Astros-Dodgers. I, Astros-Braves. So I, so I can see the Astros just crumble at the biggest moment.
0: I want to see the Green Giant, though. I think that would be lit.
2: That would be cool. Got a
0: big show coming up today on 3 and out for you. Uh, The guys will catch up with Chris Gordy, Brooks Austin from Dogs Daily on SI.com, and Matt Smith. That's coming up next right here on ESPN Radio.